It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lauritsen. I feel like talking about money this year has been somewhat of a kind of sticky and nebulous and challenging thing, depending on what state of financial abundance or lack thereof you're in. It's certainly been a really interesting year in terms of a lot of our friends, being Whitney and mine, who are in the arts and performing and musical and culinary fields. There are just so many industries, it seems, this year that have been greatly and lastingly affected by COVID and the financial crisis and everything that's going on in the world right now. Because at the time of this recording, things certainly have not necessarily taken a turn for the better. But I think one of the things that comes up around the conversation of money, certainly if I think about my kind of family history with it, Whitney, and I don't know if I've ever actually told you this, is we have a family motto. The Robel family has a motto, which is, uh, we'll make it fit. We'll make it work. And no matter what challenge comes your way, you just you find a way out of the challenge. And in terms of money and resourcefulness during really tough times, my mom a few years ago told me a story about my great-grandmother who came to this country from Poland, spoke barely any English, raised a grip of kids. I don't even know how many. It was a litter. It was a grip of kids. And when my great-grandfather passed away, this was during the time of Prohibition. And right around the time of the Great Depression. And my great grandmother, because her husband had passed away, needed to provide for the family. So, dig this my great grandmother set up an illegal speakeasy in the house in Detroit. So, people could come, and my grandmother was brewing moonshine and making her own alcohol. And so, my, my great great grandmother was essentially a rum runner. Like she just had like illegal alcohol and she survived. She provided for the family throughout this the prohibition era and, and the Great Depression. So, you know, this idea of making money when times are challenging and being scrappy and being resilient and somehow leveraging, you know, our knowledge, our passions, or maybe just learning new ones. I don't think that my great grandma knew exactly how to run a speakeasy or be a rum runner or certainly do something that was that drastically illegal at the time. But there seems to be a thread through it, at least in my family lineage of people being really creative, being really resourceful, being really scrappy and creative in how they're going to make money. And so I love that our topic today is how to make money sharing your knowledge and your passions. Again, even if it's something brand new you've never tried before, like my great-grandmother, she pulled the trigger on running a speakeasy in downtown Detroit and somehow made it work. So. So Whitney, do you have any uh, personal anecdotes of, of any kind of, I don't know, creative, scrappy ways to make money from your family lineage or stuff maybe you've done that I, I don't know about? Not that immediately comes to mind. I mean, I was always really fascinated with making money growing up. I had a lemonade stand many times, as many kids did. I remember selling things at yard sales. And one time my friend and I cut lilacs from my front yard and went around the neighborhood and sold them. I made friendship bracelets at one point. And actually, the aim of that was we were going to donate money to like Bosnia or something. Just kids trying to figure out how money worked, I suppose. In terms of my family stories, I don't know of any. 
It's interesting hearing your story, Jason. That's a really good one. I certainly don't recall that, but I do remember you telling me about making it work or making it fit. And I think this is such an interesting subject, especially as we're going through and revisiting the ebook that we wrote in 2019 called Take Charge, which this episode and previous episodes have been based on because things have changed a lot this year. It was almost exactly a year ago that we put together, or maybe it was exactly a year ago. I think it was written in early November 2019. And money has been a big challenge for people during COVID. And I think actually, since a lot of people lost their jobs or were furloughed or were just in tighter times financially, some people managed to get really creative with money and decided to learn how to make things from home. And I think that's such an interesting thing. My mindset around that has changed a lot over the years because for a long time, I was a really big proponent for anybody can work for themselves. Anybody can make money however they want. You don't have to work a nine to five. I was very passionate about that. But over the years, I've discovered through firsthand experience and the experience of other people I know that it's really not that cut and dry. It's not always easy. It is a really hard path. And I was this, of that mindset of a lot of these gurus that we've referenced many times on our show who say, like, just follow this formula and you can make money. And if you're not making money, if you're not hustling, like you're missing out on opportunities. And of course, I don't really believe in that anymore. And I have seen so many people struggle with this. I have gone from this kind of judgmental mindset of like, wow, like you must not be putting in enough effort to a mindset of a lot more compassion and recognizing that working for yourself is not for everybody. Some people feel more comfortable having a steady, reliable job that's dictated by somebody else. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think taking that shame away from those type of jobs is really important. And especially because with this book, Take Charge, that we're sharing We're going to go through some different pieces of advice for those of you who are interested in learning. So I'm not saying it's impossible. Of course not. Jason and I work for ourselves, but we've gone through a lot of highs and lows financially. In fact, we did an episode about that recently and just being very transparent because it's not always easy. And a lot of the things that we've attempted have not worked out. We followed a ton of formulas. In fact, in 2019, Jason and I were part of a intensive coaching program for entrepreneurs that we thought was going to completely revamp our finances. And (laughs) I can't really say that it did much for us, to be honest. We spent a lot of money on this coaching program. And I'm not saying that it's bogus. I actually think the advice was super helpful. It it did help us, but it didn't bring us all this money that we thought we were going to make. And I can't tell you how many times I've bought a program thinking that I'm going to cash in from it And then it didn't work out. And I've also led my own programs around these subject matters. And I hope that other people didn't get that result of feeling like they were a failure in some way. So if anybody listening has ever taken one of the programs I've run in the past and or was a a personal coaching client of mine, because I still do that. I still do private coaching. But as a coach, my mentality has changed a lot over the years because I don't want any of my clients or students, customers, whatever you want to call them, to feel like there's something wrong with them because this isn't lucrative. And that's an emotion that I have felt so many times. Like, why isn't this formula working for me? It must be something wrong with me. 
So I really think that's important to start this episode out on is that we're going to be sharing some things. We're going to talk really openly and honestly with you. We're going to share some quotes from contributors to this ebook. And these contributors are people that are generally working for themselves and they have found things that worked for them. But I just want to, to remind us, me and Jason, and you, the listener, that just because it worked for somebody else doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. And I think that's just a very, very important thing to disclose whenever you get into the subject matter. I think it's also important to be really radically honest about the entrepreneurial experience, which is it's a lot of highs and lows. It's the analogy of that used so often of a roller coaster or sailing or some sort of travel analogies or comparisons. They're pretty accurate in the sense that I think a lot of people attempt to create some sort of regularity through, say, a monthly membership program. But also that's in flux. People sign up, they cancel memberships. I think one of the biggest things is, at least I've experienced as a challenge, Whitney, is going, is getting out of the feast or famine mode where it's like, wow, you know, I had a $40,000 month and then this month it was like $400. And that's a literal thing. I mean, that's, I'm not just pulling that out of my ass. It's a literal thing where it's like, oh my God, I had this massive month and the next month is like, what happened? It really can wreak havoc on your mental health. It can wreak havoc on your sense of self, your self-worth. And it's interesting. Like, I think that I want to have more fun with business. I've been realizing that a lot of the joy that I experienced maybe when I first started has kind of eroded in many ways over the years. And sometimes business or running a business just feels like a grind and it's hard to find the joy in it. But you could make that comparison to anything. You could make that comparison to an intimate relationship. You know, it's not going to be fun and feel like day one of meeting someone all the time, kind of like starting a business or doing anything you're passionate about. And so to be really, really honest, if you, the listener, has thought about perhaps starting your own business or entering the health and wellness field or becoming a chef or nutritionist or doing something where you're sovereign and you have your own business, it's not as glamorous as a lot of people online make it out to be. I'm not throwing anyone under the bus per se, but this idea of overnight success or even success in a few years, there's no timetable. I mean, we're all on different timetables and things are going to unfold differently for us. But I always like to set realistic expectations. You know, Whitney, it's one thing that I think about that I think is apropos of some of the tips we're going to share is really, you know, understanding why you, you want to do something. I've been approached over the years by people who want to start restaurants, you know, and they'll be like, oh, hey, can we have a phone call? Because I want to talk to you about, about possibly partnering on a restaurant. And they'll lay out the business plan and they'll talk about how much they want to do this and blah, blah, blah. And I always ask, like, what's your why for wanting to do a restaurant? Usually some version of like, oh, well, I've kind of always just like dreamed about it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, have you ever been in the restaurant industry or the food business? No, no, no. I, I just have been in real estate, but I really want to get into food. I'm like, okay, so do you have a million dollars that you don't mind burning? They're like, what, what do you mean? So you want to open a full service restaurant in the city of Los Angeles, like high end, you should have seven figures you don't mind setting on fire. I just always like to my reality or our reality is not the ultimate. We never claim that. But I always like to just try and prepare people if I have knowledge in an industry for what it's actually going to take. Because some people are just like, I'm going to jump in and do this. And I think there's a passion and there's a sort of drug-like feeling with that level of naivete of like, I'm just super passionate about it. It's like, do you have the resources? Do you have a team behind you? 
are you researched enough to know what to expect, right? Because some people just jump into a business and they really have no idea what they're getting themselves into. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I think it's important to be prepared. Absolutely. I think a lot of people don't realize that when somebody is promising you a certain formula, they're often profiting on that. Like they make money off of coaching you, teaching you, guiding you. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think having a mentor and a coach is really crucial, if not just for accountability. We have our program, The Consistency Code, which is really designed to give people accountability. And we found that that was the major thing that people needed support with, especially when it comes to working for yourself, because gosh, it can feel very, very lonely. And so I would say that even though a lot of the formulas haven't worked for me, some of them have bits and pieces. Bits and pieces have been really helpful to me. I guess I just didn't get the big results that I thought I would, but I really enjoyed any structure of accountability and somebody that I felt like was checking in on me and rooting for me, cared about me. So that program I referenced earlier, I would say in hindsight, the best part of it for me, and I'm curious about for you, Jason, was that we had regular check-ins. Most of the time, it was weekly check-ins with this group and people that were really paying attention to whether or not we were implementing. And that was huge. And that was actually a big inspiration for us designing our program, The Consistency Code. And the biggest piece of the feedback we had from people was just like knowing that somebody was paying attention. And I think that actually goes, that doesn't get enough focus, I suppose. Like we all know that accountability is helpful, but a lot of programs don't really lead with the accountability side of things. And I think that needs to be emphasized a lot more. And that actually comes up multiple times in the Take Charge ebook, you know, whether it's the way that you're eating, the way that you're moving your body, the way that you're thinking, accountability can make or break whether or not you stick with the habit. Yeah, I think to just kind of kick it off with some of the wisdom that is embedded in this ebook, we're talking about like different ways of doing things. Luke Jones has this amazing quote in the book about authenticity. He says, there's a fine line between this is a way to do something, and this is the way to do it. I think anytime you get caught up with an ideology or an identity, you become limited. I try my best to keep a beginner's mind, stay authentic, and be okay with not having all the answers right away. I think it's so crucial because a lot of the coaches, gurus, experts online position themselves as this is the way, right? They compare themselves to other programs. They use testimonials. I mean, there's a lot of the kind of foundational same marketing techniques you see being leveraged over and over and over again. But I think staying open, as Luke was saying, and realizing that there are many, many paths, there's not just one right path, no matter what any coach or expert tells you. And I always like to say, be a student of the game. Try as many different things and experiment. That's one of the tenets, I suppose, of Whitney and my work is be radically experimental. And don't really believe anyone who's like, yeah, this is the way. I think that was a perfect way that Luke had phrased that. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think that authenticity is such an important thing to highlight because sometimes making money can feel kind of like sleazy. <laughs> it can feel like something that you might not trust. So when you are looking into generating income for yourself, if you really focus on your heart first, it actually will encourage other people to trust you. Robbie Barbero said, 
when you share from your heart because you genuinely want to help people and you believe in what you're saying 100%, the money will follow. Now, again, that doesn't mean that all you have to do is share from your heart and you'll make money from it. But money does, I think, get attracted to that authentic expression versus doing something just to make money. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, um, I always go back to Joseph Campbell because he's so wonderful in so many ways. And in his book, The Joseph Campbell Companion, he talks about you know doing it for the money versus doing it for your passion and your art and your craft. And he said, even if the money's not there, if you have a craft, if you have something you're passionate about, it'll be there whether the money comes or doesn't. But that's got to be the foundation. And our friend Robert Cheek echoed that too in the book. And he says, he believes in passion over profits. And when someone is authentic about their passion and creating meaningful work, the profit follows. Again, it's not a guarantee, right? But I think enthusiasm and passion, right? If you feel like someone is genuinely lit up and joyful about something, like to me, that's magnetic, Whitney. When I see someone personality-wise that, and I don't mean in like, I don't mean like a pitch man kind of way of like, <laughs> you know, like an infomercial kind of way of like, I can't believe this one-armed can opener is doing that. This is the greatest can opener I've ever seen. Not that kind of fake enthusiasm, like a genuine, when you see someone talking about something and they feel genuinely connected to it and they're lit up over the experience of something, that is addictive and that is magnetic. And I think you can't fake that. You know what I mean, Whitney? It's almost like, this is tangential, but true. It's like, when I go out and I see music, live music, when you see an artist who is connected to what they are saying and what they are expressing, it's transcendent, right? It's the kind of stuff that makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. And sometimes you can go out and see a musician or a performer, and technically they're very good. They're hitting the notes, they're doing the runs. You're like, oh, they're a good performer, but you don't really feel anything. And I think it's kind of like that with business or any craft or endeavor. It's like someone can be saying all the right words, someone can be polished, they can be technically beautiful, shooting great videos. But it's like, if you don't feel it, for me, I tend not to buy or support that thing. If I don't feel it, I don't buy it. Yeah. And it, it really also plays a, a role into being of service, which is another section in the Take Charge book about how if you are genuine and you're leading with what you can teach people and how it can enrich the world, then it's not about you as much, right? As, as Chef AJ was saying, kind of actually what you were alluding to as well, Jason, she said, only do for a fee what you would do for free. Spend all the time necessary to become an expert. Never do anything just for the money. It will always bite you in the ass. <laughs> and I think that is true. I mean, that's like a parable, though. It's a very common thing that we see in the media, in entertainment. It's like anyone who's greedy. I mean, that's something that we really look down upon. And like you're saying, Jason, it's hard to trust somebody. And it also doesn't feel that good to do either. It's tricky, though, because I think we can easily start to feel a little desperate. And actually, I'd love for you to share, Jason, in the times where you felt really nervous about your finances, like where does your mind go? And how do you navigate that? Because I know that you have hit those places frequently. And you've talked to me about that a lot. I know 2020 has not been an easy year for you. And it hasn't always been easy for me too. But I think it's been a little bit more stable because of some of the clients that I've been blessed to have this year. 
But for you, Jason, you've had some times where I think you've questioned a lot. You've decided that you don't want to do your chef work anymore, even though there are opportunities coming with that. And so where are you at right now? Where's your headspace? Do you still feel 100% sure about not doing chef work anymore? And what happened to your you mentally during times where you were really struggling financially? Well, I think the danger is falling into the desperation pit. The desperation pit is where you feel like your back's against the wall, you're scared, you're freaking out, you don't know what you're going to do. And I find that it is really easy to make decisions in that frame of mind, in that state of being that can, as AJ said, bite you in the ass later. There's a balance between surviving and putting food on the table and keeping the rent or the mortgage paid, but not doing it to the point where you're doing something that breaks down your soul and your spirit. And so what I have to watch for myself is kind of this old program of the desperation pit, where if I feel a sense of fear, panic, desperation around a lack of money, I have at times in the past made decisions that were detrimental in certain ways in terms of leveraging my energy, aligning my work with perhaps brands or companies I didn't really believe in just because it was a good payday. It's tough, right? Because you realize you have a monthly nut as an adult. Every month you have bills and you have to keep the lights on. And it's a tough dichotomy because there's a part of me with that scrappy work ethic from my lineage of like, do whatever it takes, right? Kind of like my great grandma, I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, like, start an illegal speakeasy to feed the kids, like do whatever it takes. So there is that part of me, right? Do whatever it takes. But then there's the part of me, the artistic or the soulful side of me that's like, yeah, but you also need to do stuff that like nourishes you creatively, intellectually, stimulates you. You can't just, you're not an automaton, you're not a robot. So I think the challenge and still for me, Whitney, is this balance between pragmatism of get the money in to pay the bills and have a sense of security, but then also not wanting to sell out myself and do something that feels hateful or awful just to put food on the table. The longer answer about, you know, chefing is like, is it an awful thing? No. Do I feel like really excited or joyful about it anymore? Kind of no. If something comes through and there's really no like ethical dilemma around it and it feels okay, would I do it? Maybe. I mean, we'll see what happens. But I'm just not emphasizing it, I suppose, right? It's rather than me like saying, I'm not going to do anything else with food ever again. I think it's more like I want to shift my focus to other aspects of entrepreneurship and creativity. And if that stuff happens to come in and it feels in alignment, so be it. That makes sense. And it's good to have that perspective and that awareness. As we go through Intake Charge, we talk about craft. I mentioned that a few minutes ago that uh, Joseph Campbell and and other people who talk about mythology and spirituality talk about the importance of of having a craft. I just want to say before I share some of the tips in the book, I think one of the things that challenges me, Whitney, about this time in the digital economy, in the digital age, is that people are doing less things with their hands and actually like hands-on things. And we have like video courses and audio courses and ebooks. We're actually reading from an ebook right now. There's nothing wrong with those things. But I find that for me, I get a really deep sense of creative satisfaction when I'm playing a guitar, playing a ukulele, chopping vegetables, creating a meal, working with my hands. Like I think there's a difference between a tactile, physical, third-dimensional craft and something that exists on a screen. I think there really is a big difference. I really do. 
in the sense of when I sit down to read a book, the tactility of reading a physical book or writing physical notes in my notebook is very different than typing on the computer or reading from a Kindle or an iPad. So that's just my two cents on craft. But in the ebook, Sid Garza Hillman says, work hard above all else. Promotion, social media, networking comes after. Make honing your craft, your talents, and your product your main priority. And I think that's so important because I'm just going to say this. I'm not going to name names because nobody needs to be thrown under the bus. There's a lot of people that have really, really great marketing and great promo and great graphic design. But when you get under the hood and you taste their food, listen to their music, see what their craft is, you're like, ooh, so you focused all your time and attention on your marketing, not on honing your craft. And I think it's so important he said this because I think in many ways we have it backwards now because we're in an attention economy with social media and the digital age where attention is literal revenue, right? doesn't matter if you're quote good in a lot of cases. People, that's the thing, right? Is people want big followings because they see people getting paid for it. But the reality is if you suck ass at your craft, right? Someone's going to find out eventually. You can't hide behind your numbers forever. So again, not throwing anyone under the bus, but I think it's all too common in the social media age where people don't spend the years working on their craft artistically. They just spend time and money making it look as if they've spent years mastering the craft. And that is a quantum, quantum chasm between those two things. For sure. And it's really interesting because some people do have overnight fame, literally, you know, where they have a viral video and it changes their life. There are people that get on a new platform like TikTok. I mean, I actually saw earlier today before we started recording a, a really sweet small business post and he just lucked out and went viral with it. And it's like the simplest video, but it has really resulted in a ton of attention and actual orders for him. And he was one of those people that you're like, good for him. Like that guy is, you feel like he deserves it, even though there's so many people that deserve it. And he really just lucked out. And what's tricky is that social media is very alluring and it can give us this idea that, oh, well, all you have to do is go viral and then your life has changed. And it's a lot like playing the lottery because you could do the exact same thing as somebody else and not have anywhere near the results. And then you could also work on your craft for many years and never be successful in social media. And you can feel resentful of people that are. So I think it's really important to figure out what you really value because there's nothing wrong with making money from social media. Like one of the big TikTok stars right now, uh, Charlie D'Amelio, often gets a lot of negativity simply because she makes millions of dollars as a teenager dancing in front of the camera. It's just incredible what's happened for her. And people think like, why does she deserve all that money? And I'm so much more talented than her. I've been dancing my whole life. Why don't I have these same opportunities? It's really tempting to get into that mindset and feel annoyed that all your hard work has not resulted in the same thing. But I don't think that really serves you either. And to your point, Jason, certainly massive success and flashy marketing and being good looking, having a lot of followers, like those things don't guarantee that something is going to be of value to you. But maybe it will. It also doesn't mean that those things aren't valuable in their own way. It kind of reminds me of food too. 
And I'm somebody that certainly judges food by how it looks on the outside. And I appreciate brands that have really flashy marketing and good social media. And I think a lot of them go a very long way. But I also know a ton of incredible small brands that either are barely on social media or don't really know how to have a good social media strategy. And it doesn't matter because they're just creating something really great and they might not make a ton of money, but they have their fan base and they make enough money to get by. And I think each of us are on just different paths with this. And certainly it's tempting to think that social media or like making a ton of money equals success. And I think that's something to remind ourselves of that we have to really figure out what success means for us and what makes us feel really fulfilled. Along these same lines, one of the tips in this book is to tap into your uniqueness and find your niche. Drina Burton said, know what makes your work special. Know that in your core and build working relationships on those strengths. And I love that because as I'm saying, like each of us have a unique offer. We are unique in our own way. We don't have to do the same things as other people to be successful, to feel successful. It really comes down to feeling good about it in your core. And at the end of the day, we're going to bed reflecting on our day, wondering, was that fulfilling? And hopefully the answer will be yes for you. Money is not going to make you feel deeply fulfilled for a substantial amount of time. It's really about what you're putting out there into the world and how you're feeling about it. Yeah, it's almost like this thing I was reflecting on the other night about stuff. And my favorite comedian of all time, George Carlin, has this whole bit about how your house is just a place for your stuff. And that if you didn't have all this stuff, you wouldn't need such a big house. You would need shelter. Yeah, but you don't need this giant house for your stuff. And I think that success in many ways is it's critical to define it for ourselves because I think for a lot of people, they think about stuff. Like if I could just have the car I want, if I could just have the house I want, if I could just live in the neighborhood I want, if I could just fill in the blank, then I'd be happy. It's a slippery slope because we're constantly chasing that carrot of money's going to make us happy. Um, now let's let's not make any mistake. Like financial success does get you access in this world. Of course it does. Like we're not living in some dream world thinking that money doesn't buy you the best medical care or the best supplements or allow you to eat at the best restaurants. Of course it does. I mean, money basically allows you access and freedom, but it doesn't guarantee you're going to be happy because there are people with access and freedom up the wazoo because of their money and they're miserable. So this idea of Redefining success, I think, I think for me, what I'm realigning with is that my happiness is a lot more simple than I thought it was. That I look around my house and I'm like, oh, remember when you wanted that thing? You have that thing now. That thing's useful. It's a good tool, but does it make you happy? No. You know, so why do we keep chasing things when all we have to do is look around our houses or our apartments and remember the things that we wanted at one time that we now have? That it's like, it's cool. I'm glad I have it. It's useful, but it doesn't like make me jump for joy. And maybe that's different. I mean, I guess it depends on the emotional connection we have with the thing. But I think to me, it's like redefining success and fulfillment for ourselves. And also, you know, being really confident. That's another chapter of this, another section rather of the book that I love is about believing in yourself. Uh, Adam Chaim says, believe in yourself and your expertise. If you don't believe in your product or your abilities to share your knowledge, no one else will either. You show your passion, you lead with your heart, and the pieces are going to fall into place. 
And we, he and Shoshana, his wife, have been able to monetize their coaching business and podcast through consistency and passion. I think believing in yourself, that's a huge takeaway here, right? Because at times life is going to kick the shit out of you. It just is. I'm sorry. Like I'm in a mode right now with my accident waiting for this surgery where I feel like life has just been kicking the shit out of me. Am I going to get back up and keep going? You're damn right. So I think there's a level of confidence and fortitude in this that is essential if you are going to have your own business. You have to have fortitude and resilience. There's just no two ways about it. And confidence too. I think it also can come down to not overthinking it as well. That's a big obstacle. We've talked about resistance a few times in here. And one of the final tips in this section of the ebook is to just do it. And it's not always that simple, but it definitely plays a big role in it. When you start taking that first step towards something that feels important to you, it can feel really scary and daunting. And you can think it might not lead you where you want to go. But it does build momentum. And that's actually one of the huge reasons we started our program, The Consistency Code, is because we know that consistency really does pay off. And everything that we've talked about in this Take Charge series here on the podcast and in this free ebook is really benefited by being consistent and just doing something little by little every single day if you can, or at least on some sort of frequent basis. And that's where you can really start to see the impact of what you're doing. Melissa, Jason, uh, you always pronounce her name properly. And I always feel like I'm going to botch her name. And I never want to do that disservice to our dear friend, Melissa. I don't know why I struggle with her last name. Will you please say it? Yeah. Glashevsky. See, (laughs) every time in my head, it never sounds like that. So thank you. I'm glad that you know how to properly say her name. Melissa said to go with the flow, to see which direction the universe takes you and pay attention to the signs. Your path may not always look how you imagined, and it could take you longer to get there, but put in the work doing what you love and it's going to pay off. And I think that's true for a lot of us. As I said at the beginning, just because you're putting in the work doesn't mean that it will pay off in the way that you think it's going to. But something will come of it over time, even if it's just a personal satisfaction. I think going into what you love, and this is kind of the key takeaway for this section, is that if it's something that you really enjoy doing, just do it. (laughs) You know, like just enjoy it. Do it without being attached to the result. Try it out. See what happens. And that will reveal to you whether or not this is something that you want to continue doing consistently. And it'll also reveal to you how other people are responding. And you can learn a lot through that. You could benefit someone without making a ton of money. And maybe that's okay. Maybe you have a full-time job and you're just doing something that you love on the side. Maybe you never make money from it. Maybe you only make a small amount from it. But just simply by doing it, if it's something that you're really into, it's going to feel really pleasing and it may end up going in directions that you never thought possible. Yeah, the idea of just like sitting down and doing it, it's important. As a writer and someone who's been writing a long time, I actually started my professional career as a copywriter for international advertising agencies. That's my former life. I'm kind of obsessed with talking sometimes to other writers about how they do things. And Samantha Shorky in the ebook talks about she got a copy of this guy Tony Thompson's best-selling novel. 
in the inside of the book, it says, thinking about writing isn't writing. Talking about writing isn't writing. Only writing is writing. So get writing. And she says, he truly inspired me to finally start a blog that eventually launched my coaching business and my jacked on the beanstalk brand. So my advice is to stop thinking and talking about your passions and just doing them. It's important, right? Because we can be blue in the face talking about what we want to do for years, but the clock is ticking. I don't mean that to scare people, but at some point, it's um, <laughs> one of my favorite family phrases is, you know, you need to shit or get off the pot. Like you're either going to do the thing or you're just going to talk about it ad infinitum. So I think that's different for everybody. I mean, there's a level of intuition with all this of knowing when it's the right time to launch a business, write a book, start writing an album, whatever your thing is. But the reality is if you don't sit down and do the consistent work every single day, and I'm a big fan of this, you know, some people are like, oh, could I just sit down and like write one day a week and write 5,000 words one day? You could, but I think it's to me, rather than sitting down and trying to write 5,000 words in one day, what if you wrote for 10 days and did 500 words each day? You know, then you're building a muscle, then you're building a consistency and a rhythm. And I think getting started, I much prefer small incremental consistent chunks over like giant creative vomit sessions where it's just like, I'm going to just do all this stuff at once. I don't really like doing that anymore. I used to, but it just doesn't work for me. As we've mentioned, these tips that we've been sharing today have come from our ebook, Take Charge, which you can download for free at wellevator.com. If you haven't visited our website before, it's spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. If you go to the free resources section, you can find this ebook along with some other free resources that we have. And we hope that you check it out and follow along because we've been sharing bits and pieces, but I think it really helps to read through what we've been sharing and let it really sink in. And this book was designed to give you a course of action and, and create a plan for yourself and, and really help you figure out what feels good and how you want to take charge of your life. As we mentioned, this book was originally written in 2019, and it's been really interesting going through it in 2020 during the pandemic and seeing what's changed. I'm actually surprised to see how much of this is, is still really relevant, even though it's only been a year. I guess I thought that so much has changed this year that this advice would not apply, but I think it really does. How about you, Jason? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think the mental pitfalls that people experience are the same in terms of self-doubt, fear, lack of courage, making excuses for not doing what we really want to do. I mean, those things certainly haven't changed in spite of a global pandemic. I think in, in some instances, as I was talking about desperation and fear, those things have increased and for good reason. I mean, there's a lot of economic devastation, a lot of unemployment, a lot of uncertainty right now, but just making decisions purely out of fear and desperation it typically creates a lot of challenges later on down the line. So I really think that the advice that we're revisiting in this ebook and that we're, we're discussing in real time, Whitney, it definitely holds water and it definitely is still relevant. Because for people to feel some level of hope and courageousness and clarity and direction is absolutely relevant right now. So I'm personally glad we're revisiting it. And it's reminding me to not do anything stupid right now. <laughs> and by stupid, I mean something out of fear and desperation. Let me clarify. Asterisk. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I think the advice that we're sharing is just as helpful to somebody else as it is to us. And I think that's a good reminder too, is is doing something that 
helps you and helps other people is incredibly rewarding. And taking our own advice is really key too. So if you can come back around and try to look at what you're doing from different perspectives, you can learn so much from yourself. Because ultimately, self-awareness is one of the biggest keys to transformation. We love to wrap up our episodes with shouting out some brands. And especially because we're big supporters of other companies. We love small businesses. We love big businesses. We just think that business in general is really wonderful, especially anybody that we see doing something that makes us feel good as individuals is making an impact on the planet. We are certainly advocating for them to do well. And we only recommend things that we really believe will enhance your life. So I'm excited to dive into those things today. I mean, I have more brands that I want to shout out than I know what to do with. (laughs) So they're going to be overflowing. There's an upcoming episode, Jason, when you finally get this box that I received recently from New Hope, who puts on one of our favorite events called the Natural Products Expo. They did a virtual version of the expo this year called Spark Change and sent a box full of incredible products. And I don't even know where to begin with them. I, I suppose I can shout out a few, but I also I'm afraid of spoiling it for you, Jason, but simultaneously, I think you probably already got a preview of what's in the box because they emailed that out to us. So I'll share a few of them. And there's also a brand that wasn't in that box that I want to talk about today. One of them that I thought was really lovely because I'm a huge fan of tea is the Republic of Tea. This is one of the most beautifully presented products in this box. And I think it's really timely because they have a box of It's an assortment of wellness teas, and they also send teas for the holidays. And I haven't tried any of the holiday teas yet, but I was looking over it and I thought, gosh, these sound really good. Unfortunately, I think they all, oh wait, two of them are caffeine-free. They have a peppermint bark rooibos tea, which I might try this evening, and also a cinnamon vanilla rooibos tea. And then they have a comfort and joy black tea with holiday spices and a pumpkin spice black tea. So I may try one of those tomorrow and maybe one of the caffeine-free teas, but I have tried a bunch of the wellness teas and they're really lovely. I've been very intentional about drinking tea frequently, especially immune boosting tea. So pretty much for the past like three months, I think I've been having tea almost every single day and I'm a big coffee lover. On a previous episode, I talked about this brand, Clever, that I'm really into. Love them. But tea is a big part of my life right now. I think in the winter season when it starts to get cold, but also like our immune systems could use some extra help. So I appreciate things like this. They make kind of a subtle difference, I find. Like they're not a cure-all, of course, but they are certainly part of my self-care regimen right now. And I just love the packaging too. Republic of Tea just brings me joy looking at it. So I'm really grateful for that. And I can't wait for you to get that too, Jason. And there's, like I said, so much in there, but I'm going to save some of the other brand shout outs. The other one that is separate from that box that I wanted to shout out is For Real Foods, who makes a coconut jerky that is really lovely. I got kind of into coconut jerky when I was doing the vegan keto diet pretty strictly because I was like looking for some good textured snacks. I'm really into textured foods, you know, like crispy foods, crunchy foods. There's just something about having different textures that is very satisfying. And 
jerky is super appealing. Theirs is very unique because it's made from coconut meat. And they have great flavors. They sent me some of their chili lime recently for my road trip. And gosh, I'm kind of drooling just thinking about it right now. It's so satisfying. The texture's pretty firm, but it's like the perfect firmness, if this makes sense, because it doesn't hurt your teeth when you bite into it. Like it looks like it might be a little too tough to chew on, but it's really well done. They did such a great job with it. I've tried a bunch of their flavors. Some of them say keto right on the package. I think maybe one or two of their flavors is not keto just because the carb count is a little high, but I love that. I think it's also paleo and of course vegan. And it's just a really unique snack to have. So if you've never tried coconut jerky, I encourage you to and check out for real foods. We're going to link to all these brands in our show notes at wellevator.com. So if you haven't been there already to download the Take Charge ebook, go over there and check out the show notes so you can get links to everything we've talked about today. And Jason, you also had something for the immune system too. What would you like to share today? Yeah, I have two kind of back pocket supplements that I've been taking really since the start of the pandemic. Uh, It's from a company called Live On Labs, and they specialize in lipospheric vitamin supplements. So they come in these little packets that are like a suspension. It's almost like a thick liquid. And I've been doing their lipospheric vitamin C and their lipospheric glutathione. And the reason I'm taking this is because the lipospheric formulation means that the vitamins come in nanoparticles. So they're really, really small, which makes it easier for the body to absorb and then immediately use those nutrients. So we know vitamin C is super important. Each one of the packets of the lipospheric vitamin C, I think is a thousand milligrams. So I do one a day, but if I'm starting to feel a little wonky or tired or maybe like I don't know. You know that feeling of like, uh, if I start to get like run down, I might get sick type feeling. Then I'll take like two or three packets or more. I've actually even taken five in one day, 5,000 milligrams of lipospheric vitamin C. The other one though that I'm a huge fan of, and this is super important, is glutathione. Glutathione is basically kind of referred to as the mother antioxidant. It's responsible for recharging our bodies in many different ways, reducing oxidative stress, removing free radicals, uh, preventing cell damage. It actually helps to repair the liver, helps with autoimmune diseases. But one thing that became known to me at the beginning of this is it actually has lung protective benefits. So it protects your lungs in many ways. So also, I just want to go on record and say this, they're definitely an acquired taste. How do I even describe the taste? The glutathione kind of has like a durianish, rotten, eggy, sulfuric thing going on. And then the lipospheric vitamin C kind of has like, I don't even know how to describe it, like something you would clean your countertop with. Like they're definitely not like the most delicious flavor. So I tend to wash it down with like orange juice or pineapple juice. But the potency and the efficacy of these products, I think they're just the best on the market that I've tried personally. I haven't tried everyone. But I do love the fact that they come in these nanospheric particles that they assimilate to the body so quickly. So I have been using these since the pandemic started. And again, to make sure my immunity is high and to make sure that with the glutathione, that my lungs are protected as well as I possibly can. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that, Jason, because spoiler alert, we did get another brand that makes glutathione and lipo 
How do you pronounce it? Lipospheric? Well, there's two different kinds. So the Livon brand I was telling you, they call their formulation Lipospheric. But then, and I think that's trademarked. So the other brands have a similar but different formulation called liposomal. Okay, that's what this is. There's another brand that I'm going to try called Aurora, which you'll also receive this in that gift box that you're getting soon. I haven't triple checked that it's vegan, but just at a glance, it looks like it is. And there's actually 3,000 milligrams per dose in just one of the packets. So you wouldn't have to take five of them, (laughs) Jason. uh, You probably would be fine with just taking one. But I actually haven't really experimented that much with this form of vitamin C or glutathione. And I'm grateful that you shared that, although now I'm a little nervous that it's going to taste horrible. But that's okay. (laughs) I'm actually taking another immune boosting supplement right now that does not taste good. And I was reading through the Amazon reviews and everybody was saying that. But I don't mind. If I know it's effective, Like I can deal with a bad taste for a little bit. So I will report back on whenever I try Aurora. I'm kind of saving it for whenever I feel like I really need it. And I, I think it's super interesting. There's a lot of different things that we can take for our bodies and some people find them really effective. I've heard a lot of great things about vitamin C and glutathione recently. So I'm uh, glad that we have access to things like that. That's for sure. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking off tape, off record before the podcast started, just like we've got to do the best job we can, not just with business or art or creativity or the things we've been talking about on this episode, but with our health. You know, it seems that the information around COVID and immunity and virology is just literally changing by the day. If you go down the rabbit hole of research on the internet around all this stuff, it can at times drive you mad. And Whitney and I have actually been in a state recently of like, what do we believe? What's true? How do we interpret all this research? Who's an expert and who's not? It's really tough. But I think ultimately we just have to do the best job we can. You know, take your supplements, get some sunshine. If you believe in physical distancing and wearing masks, washing hands, being mindful, whatever your version of that is, we're not here to dictate or mandate our protocols on anyone. But for me, I'm always just trying to learn as much as I can try and go with my intuition on what I think is true based on what I've read and comparing research. But ultimately, it's a crapshoot because we don't know what's true. And all of this stuff is changing so quickly by the day, literally, that you just got to do whatever you feel is right. And that comes to your health, that comes to your business, your creativity. This ain't about perfection, y'all. It's about making progress and experimenting and doing the best you can, whatever that means to you. So with that said, dear listener, if you want to get deeper with us, we do have this ebook available, as Whitney mentioned, on our website. It is in our free resources section at wellevator.com. That's spelled W E L L E V A T R.com. We have so many incredible free resources for you for your mindfulness, your self worth, social media mastery. We have a lot of really, really good stuff for free. All you got to do is visit the website, go to the free resources section, and likewise, if you want to tune into any of our previous episodes or check out the show notes for this one, Go to our website and click on the podcast section in the upper right corner, and it will take you to our podcast show notes database. With that said, you can follow us on all of the social media platforms. You know where we be. You know where we be. Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, all the things. And you can always email Whitney and myself directly. It's hello at wellevator.com. With that said, I want to give us both credit, Whitney, because we were both pretty exhausted before this episode, and we have yet made it through another episode of This Might Get Uncomfortable, you and I being uncomfortable being so exhausted. 
but we got to walk our talk, don't we? I mean, shit, if we don't do it and we don't get uncomfortable all the time, how the hell are we going to convince everyone else to? Very good point. I definitely felt like this was a push, (laughs) to be honest. And sometimes it is. Sometimes we just don't feel like recording episodes. But you know what, Jason? I got to hand it to us. We have been very consistent. The next episode is going to be our 150th episode. And we have been going strong for almost an entire year, releasing three episodes a week. So a little pat on our backs. It hasn't been easy, but I think it actually is a great example to others on this subject matter today, which is that we really enjoy this, but there are days that we don't want to do it. So just because you enjoy something doesn't mean that you're going to look forward to it every time. But I think we've gotten into a rhythm where we know we'll get through it and we know that it's worth it. We know that people like you, the listener, have given us great feedback, which is super encouraging. So we love hearing from you through direct messages, emails. Um, you know, we sent out a newsletter recently. Jason was talking about his accident and just got a flood of incredible messages from people that care. And those really go a long way. So I've said a few times in this episode that it's not just about the money. And it certainly isn't. We don't actually make a lot of money from this podcast, from Wellevator. It's a part of our lives and our income streams. But we do this podcast because we really enjoy doing it. We see a lot of benefits. And people like you sharing your words of encouragement, your feedback, that's why we do this. And the money may follow, but that's not our big agenda. It's incredibly satisfying. And that's why I show up when I'm tired, Jason. Yeah, I show up when I'm tired because I know there's ice cream in the fridge too. And that makes everything better. (laughs) so the moral of the story is you got to have something to look forward to y'all until next time thanks for getting uncomfortable with us and we'll see you again in another episode in a few days thanks so much thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today for show notes and more high performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W E L L E V A T R.com.